All right, welcome to your handbook for the apocalypse. And uh, today on the show, we have a very, very, very special guest. His name is Austin. He is an Olympic bobsledder, and he is a friend, a new friend of mine, and a friend of our co-host Mike Wan. Uh, really sad, unfortunately, uh, the recording got totally screwed up and I, I'm kind of flabbergasted. I don't know exactly what happened. I think it has something to do with my SD card, but there was a, a stupid error and we lost the first 30 minutes of this really epic podcast. So, uh, you know, we just wrapped up. I just realized it. So I thought, let me maybe refresh and uh, record basically what Austin told us in that first half hour. Of course, you're not going to get uh, all of the details, unfortunately, but I'm going to reach out to Austin, see if maybe he'll join me for a uh, part one of this to do, do kind of a do-over. I hate doing that kind of thing, and Mike's such a busy guy. I really don't want to ask him to come back and do it over. I mean, you know, it's really kind of hard to uh, redo a, a podcast conversation like that. So I'm just going to reiterate the first parts of Austin's story, and then we'll we'll jump into uh, the middle part of his story, and uh, and you'll hear Mike's thoughts and, and our thoughts as we wrap up. But essentially what had happened was Mike and Austin and Austin's wife, Brittany, had met um, under certain circumstances while Mike was at Gnome Countryside. And one of the uh, things that occurred is that Austin and his wife Brittany went to a flea market or a garage sale, as they like to do, and they found, of all things, a Christmas ornament of a bobsledding team. And not just any Christmas ornament, but the type of... Uh, ornament you would put on your table in a sort of holiday display, you know, more than just an ornament, a sort of decoration that you would, you know, cherish and put somewhere special during the holidays. So, you know, what are the odds that two Olympic, you know, gold medal winning bobsledders are, you know, on a, a sort of serendipitous little trot with Mike Wan and they come across this odd you know, very significant to, you know, them, a small percentage of the world can say that they're Olympic bobsledders and, you know, uh, there's no one else like Mike. So when it comes to a sign like that, you know, it's kind of significant, I'd say. Now, that's just where the story starts. So, you know, I remember when Mike was living at Gnome Countryside, he sent me uh, an image of him standing next to Austin and Brittany, I believe, holding the bobsled ornament. Um, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. You know, we had just visited Mike down there at Gnome Countryside, and, you know, the place, to say the least, is magical. It has a certain unique energy, and, uh, you know, this kind of fits right into the scene, which Austin, he's been a fan of this show since the beginning. He's a diehard listener. He said he's listened to, you know, basically uh, every episode of Your Handbook for the Apocalypse. So 
He knows about the scene. He bought the scene and he implemented the scene, right? This scene is a, a book I put together, a small book lit. Uh, it's about, you know, 12 to 15 pages, and it's essentially a guide to exploring your own backyard. It's a travel guide to wherever you are in the now, and it's a useful tool to help you break out of your uh, daily routine. And this clicked with Austin. You know, he's a fan of the synchromysticism. And he said that, you know, as an athlete, this felt like, uh, you know, something he could connect with. You know, already he's kind of an intuitive person. He's got a strong uh, psychosomatic connection. His his physical intelligence and uh, his physical prowess is, is very unique. You know, he's a specimen. Mike said he's like, you know, it's, it's the, the uh, you know, the gravity when you kind of, are around a person like Austin, you, you sense, you know, his, his, uh, uniqueness, his size, right. Respectfully. He's a very muscular built guy and very strong. So it was, uh, I guess I'm worth noting that Austin kind of intuitively clicked with the scene. And I think that's really cool. So he, lives in North Carolina, and he's originally from Montana. He went to high school in Montana, and his wife and, and him were driving around. They set out to go on a scene journey. So they brought with them the uh, dice, compass, a map, a notebook, a pen, and a cup to roll the dice in. And they're driving around. They're going left to right and figuring out, you know, this and that. And they stopped at a, a gem store and as they're kind of driving along, they see this little sign that says Hiddenite, North Carolina. So they go and they see what the, you know, what Hiddenite is. And they're driving around and they stumble upon a place called the Lucas Mansion. And as they're driving into the Lucas Mansion, Austin starts to get this gut feeling that he knows the guy mowing the lawn. And his wife is like, no, no way. Are you sure? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I'm sure. I." So he walks over to this guy and it turns out, you know, this mansion that they're at was owned allegedly by a guy named Diamond Jim. And there's a big sign out front that says, you know, something to the effect of, you know, the Lucas Mansion, Hiddenite, North Carolina, Diamond Jim, so on or so other. Now, he approaches the guy, he turns off the lawnmower, and he's like, hey, uh, are you Ryan? And the guy says, yeah. And he says, do you know who I am? And it takes a moment, and he says, you're Austin? And he's like, oh, yeah. Turns out, of all places, for this guy to end up, Austin ends up in a place where one of his high school friends, who he played sports with all the way back in Montana, just happened to be temporarily living. All right, so the Lucas Mansion currently, as it stands, is a sort of museum to this Diamond Jim character who is somewhat of a mineralogist gem hunter, right? And, uh, and I guess they needed a guy like Ryan to, you know, keep up the place, or I don't know exactly the arrangement that was made, but 
you know, this is a, an uncommon place for someone to find themselves. And Austin finds someone who he knows all the way back from his hometown out here in Hiddenite, Alexander County, North Carolina. So, yeah, very interesting stuff. I was kind of shocked to hear that the scene brought him to a place like this. And, uh, and if that wasn't enough, the mansion happened to be closing when they arrived, so they weren't able to go inside. So as they wrapped up their conversation with his old friend, they decided they would head over to this uh, emerald mine where you can go and uh, it's called the Emerald Hollow Mine. And you can go and you can, you know, dig for your own gems there. And sure enough, when they're there, they find something incredible. And uh, I believe that part of the conversation was recorded and uh, you'll hear from Austin himself on that part of the story. But, yeah, unfortunately, you know, this is a nine-minute explanation of a 30- to 40-minute story. I really would hate to call Mike and Austin back up and say, hey, guys, uh, yeah, I screwed up big time and, and messed up the recording. So I thought eh, maybe I'll, I'll just, you know, record a intro while it's all fresh in my mind and uh, we'll put this at the front in case I can't salvage the conversation uh, in, a, in a better way. You know, this will have to do. Um, so yeah, if you're hearing this, I wasn't able to get Austin on to record uh, or re-record this part and that's not his fault. That's not Mike's fault. It's all my fault. Blame me. Um, but hopefully we'll get Austin back on the show again and uh, and maybe he'll be kind enough to join me to re-record or retell his, his story. So, yeah, anyways, uh, enjoy this episode, the rest of this episode of Your Handbook for the Apocalypse. successfully make that 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 crossover like what would their life look like like how would you literally like you know live life in human body on this this plane of reality well one way which makes sense to me is like someone like like diamond jim like you know he was an adventurer he 
traveled around. He like found things like he was looking for the oddities. Like that is an authentic expression, in my opinion, of like a real traveler. So that was the magnet, which, which like, or like the, the secondary node, which you had been able to, to point your compass to, and it brought you to something of immense amount of meaning, not just a person from your hometown, but as you are, as you set your compass going forward for that day as to, well, where are we going to find, where are we going to go and find our next home? Like whether or not that happens, I don't know, but you had home in mind and there's a general like, like truism, like, you know, you don't know where you're going until you know where you came from. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So to, to reiterate you, you're on this scene journey. You're going towards a place that, you know, maybe you're potentially going to live in. Uh, you're looking for a home. You stumble across hidden night of all places. And in hidden night is a long lost, uh, high school friend who I imagine you probably hadn't seen since high school. I don't know. Uh, if you stayed in contact with this person after high school, but the odds were incredibly slim that you would run into this person in North Carolina of all places. And sure enough, boom, you're gravitated towards Hiddenite, North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and like, this, this was somebody that I was on uh sports teams with growing up. Uh, so it was like, you know, one of those, you know, where you have like a bond because you're on a football team together, uh, but it wasn't a super close friend. So he, you, I didn't actually know that he lived in North Carolina and he didn't, he didn't know that I was living in North Carolina either. So it wasn't, it wasn't on my radar whatsoever, which is just, you know, that's wild to me. Mm, yeah. Wow. So, so part two. The, the, this day ends, the museum closes. I imagine you guys go home. Did anything else uh, significant occur that day? Yeah, yeah. All right. uh, yes, some, something else big. So um, we we got, you know, we, we wrapped up the conversation. And then there were still a few, there's still a few hours of daylight left. And another... On the way to the Hidden Night Museum, we had seen another sign that caught our attention, and it was um, for an emerald mine. And the, the emerald mine was just like a mile or two up the road from this museum. So we're like, like we're not, we we had never like personally gone and uh, like gone to somewhere like that and paid paid to dig for rocks before. But it was it just seemed it just seemed like we were having a special day. So we had, we had to give it a go and, uh, we go there with a few hours, you know, like I said, a few hours of daylight left. And so, uh, we dig for an hour or two and then, uh, you know, end up finding like that, like we, we weren't somebody that knew a lot about stones. So we were like, like, all right, like, you know, we got some, uh, you know, cool rocks, but we didn't, <laughs> we didn't really know anything too specific. And we, we held onto these, we held onto these rocks all this time. And then, uh, going back to that 
very beginning of the story where I said my wife bought a necklace, uh, the the Rhyolite necklace, like she she really wanted to, to we, we found out that we had we had found uh, some of our birthstones at this mine. So she's like, well, I want, I want to, uh, you know, add these to my wedding band. So she went to this person who makes jewelry and this person, uh, this, this girl references us to somebody else who, uh, you know, like cuts and polishes stones and all that. So we send, we send off the stones and this was just this last week. And this, this guy, like, you know, calls, calls my wife, like, you know, freaking out basically. And he's just super impressed by the stones and he couldn't believe that we, we had, you know, dug them up in North Carolina. And the funny thing about this guy that we sent the stones to is his name is Ryan, which is the same, you know, which the the friend from high school, his name was also Ryan. <laughs> so there's just been, there's just been this like looping, looping back into the story and the experience from that day, like, like even to the present moment. Wow. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. I saw uh, that Emerald mine comes up. It's like the second thing that comes up when you search hidden night, North Carolina. And, uh, wow. So did you guys do the, like, uh, you know, sifting kind of thing and it came down a shoot and, and you just happened to pull out these birthstones or, or were you like, how, how was the, the mining, uh, experience? Like how, so this was, this was where you get, uh, you get a shovel in a bucket. Okay. And then you go, you go out onto the land and you just, it's, uh, you know, there's, it's, it, it's a big area, but you know, it's like, like there's places that are marked off and all that, but there's, there's like a lot of options for digging. And so we just picked a few different spots and you just, uh, you know, see what, see what you can dig up. And we just, we just put stuff, you know, you have a five gallon bucket and we just put a bunch of rocks in our five gallon bucket. And then we went back and, uh, you know, cleaned them off in, in, in the sifter. But, you know, like, mo- like most of these, uh, gem- like there, the, there was a few that we got that were like, you know, already traveling down the stream in the sifter, but, uh, like there was a few really good stones that we actually dug up ourselves with the shovel. Right on. Tell me, go back again. What the guy who you sent the stones to when he called you, what was, what was he saying about the stones? He just, he, he, he said he had never seen anything, uh, like, this, this guy's from, you know, born and raised in North Carolina. Uh, you know, he's, he's really into rocks, been working with them for a long time. He, he, he was just like <laughs> really blown away at, at the quality of the stones. And he like, he, he just couldn't believe it. He's like, he, he's like, you got these in hidden night. Like he, he, was just, <laughs> he didn't, he, he didn't know what to say. Like this, this guy, this guy, you know, this is full-time job. He works, he works, you know, making jewelry and he has, he has tons of stones, but like, that's, that's the quality of stuff that we dug up that day that this guy that sees thousands of thousands of rocks, like he, he called Brianna and probably had like a two hour conversation about it with her. Cause he was just so wow impressed. So, and I would even tie that back to like uh, the, 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 the quality and the caliber of experience which you had 
right? Like, I mean, like, like that's the most tangible. That's almost even more tangible than the meeting because you can't put like a, a, a meeting with another human being in a box. You can't put it on your finger. You can't wear it around your neck, but like the, the token, the souvenir of that event, which, which you left from was this stone, which is so out of the ordinary that, that someone whose livelihood and whose whose profession has been studying the stones of the area was speechless because it was outside of the definition of what he thought was possible within the, the physical realm. Yes. And yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and Mark, how much do you charge for a download? For a download of the scene. Oh, eight dollars. Eight dollars? That's the best eight dollars I've ever heard spent. <laughs> yeah, hey, I didn't realize I could market the scene to uh gem hunters, but here we go. Thanks, uh thanks, Austin. Yeah. I mean that's that's the funniest part, is like we've we've never hunted for gems in our life. And it <laughs> it was just um very cool. Yeah, it was just unreal. Wow. So then what, what, what became of the stones? You said the guy was, he was a cutter and was he a jewelry maker? Is that what, is that what occurred? Yeah. Yeah. He's currently, uh, he's, he, you know, he's currently working on the, um, setting, you know, he's like setting them in, in the ring, uh, for Brianna and we're, we're actually meeting up with him tomorrow to, uh, <laughs> probably, probably go to hit at night. And uh, we're we're going to pick up the ring tomorrow too. Uh, will you be able to take a picture and share it with us so that we can? Can we include a picture of that in like the 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 notes, Mark? Is that possible with with yeah. how how an? Yeah, yeah, I can send. There's some other pictures I I, I want to send too uh, for Mark to put in the notes. Yeah, yeah, we'll put them in the uh, in the episode artwork and. Um... I can't put them in the notes. My hosting service doesn't really do that well, but I have seen other podcasts do that. Um, but we'll we'll post it on uh, Instagram, and people can see whether it's on your Instagram or Mike's Instagram. Uh, yeah, for sure. I'll put the links in the description for that. We'll do that. And then when you said 188 days in the beginning, what was that 188 days from? So from uh, the day that we went to Hidden Night uh, to now. Okay, so that's 188 days, and yeah. so and this is like a uh, this is like in Mark's personal life where we're we're two days off of it, but two days ago was a big date for you, right, Mark? Three twenty-two. Yeah, I did a, a tour in New Haven. Yeah. So so what we're like from my. You know, I'm just look like I'm listening to this story. Like I, what I, me as a, as like just a like a, a a human being. Like I was excited to put you two together because I knew that your stories would overlap, and Mark is gonna is gonna get an itch scratch by hearing how his how his um his project his scene project came into to fruition to in someone's life 
And then Austin, I knew it would be enjoyable for you because like when you have these experiences, half the fun is being able to share, share them with, with other people who can appreciate that. So, so that was already there. And now we're bringing this to this like numerical level of the three, two, twos and the, the one, eight, eights. And so, yeah, like, um, this is, this has been an all around, uh, fascinating discussion from my lens, from my perch. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. So, but it's, the story's not over here though, right? Austin, there were, there were more things that unfolded, right? Well, uh, I mean, you know, that's that I would say that's the main gist. Like there, there's some other like interesting details as far as like things that, uh, like just, just weird things that are going on in hidden night and so forth. But I mean, what, like, you know, just, just another interesting detail is that you, I think you reached out to me, um, like maybe last Friday about, uh, getting together to talk about this and you like, at, like when you mess, I, I think like the time that you had messaged me was like the time when this, when this Ryan, <laughs> Ryan guy who makes the jewelry, like when he called my wife, like freaking out about the gems uh, and we hadn't this, th- this day, you know, we, you know, we, we think about it quite often, but there, there hadn't been like, you know, any major update for, you know, the past, you know, seven months or whatever it was. And then it was just <laughs> the way, the way you reached out. And when, when we got like this new update on things, it was, it was pretty interesting. Mm, it all came together. Yeah. And as far as like, you know, uh, like other things within hidden night there, uh, that, I mean, that, that, that Lucas mansion is very mysterious. There's it's, it's connected to this, uh, tribe called the 12 tribes communities. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but no, how, how is that? uh, How is that connected to the mansion? Was this something diamond Jim was a part of, or they like community in the community? Well, they're, um, they're, I mean, like now they manage and operate the mansion, but the, the confusing part is that I haven't really been able to find an explanation of why they're like the stewards of this mansion now. Cause as, as far as I know, uh, there's no mention of diamond Jim being in the 12 tribes anywhere. Cause I think, I think the 12 tribes was, was found like he was dead by the time the 12 tribes was even founded. Okay. No, I've never heard of this but specific just, group. Yeah, and I, I'm, I don't think that uh, I don't think Diamond Jim was a real person. Why what do that? you mean? Well, like when you look, like you can't, you can't. There's like no. I haven't been able to find any pictures on him, and like the. The amount of it, like besides, you know, that, that, uh, you know, sign like describing, like, you know, he was this, this central guy that traveled the world. Like there's, there's really no articles explaining, like there's, there's, there's nothing connecting him to like any other family members or, or like what he did once he got to hit at night, there's no photos of him. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's pretty mysterious. Uh, so that 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 for me that lends in more to this idea of 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 escape hatches. 
(laughs) (laughs) Right. Like, like this, this sort of this play, which we're all like participating in, whether we call it the scene or we call it dream walking or we call it just like questioning the, or, or what even begins by questioning the narrative, um, uh, it's to lead to somewhere. And, and this feels like, like what you're saying might be one of those clues. Um, so I, I, I'm definitely going to go look in a little bit more into that personally. Yeah. Cause there's, there's somebody named diamond Jim Brady who, who was like uh, an American businessman in, in like the late 19th century, but uh, it's not the same. Like this is a, this is a di- the, the diamond gem they talk about in his night isn't isn't that diamond gem huh cuz yeah. i know who that that diamond gem is the diamond gem they're talking about at hidden night is a man named james paul lucas uh and i don't find i can't find any information on him outside of the his name being mentioned on the hidden night arts.org website but uh, there is a YouTube video that we won't watch right now that says it's titled The Fascinating Story of Parentheses Diamond Jim and James Paul Lucas. So maybe we ought to uh, take a look at this and come back for a part two sometime in the near future. Yeah, yeah, you should. And you uh, you should definitely watch it, Mark. I, I remember I watched it like, Oh, you've uh, seen this video? Yeah, yeah. Because you know, I started researching this this mansion and this, and I'm still I'm still convinced that James Paul Lucas. I don't I don't know who that was either because the, the the video is like super generic and ah. it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> now is this? See, now you're saving us some time. Is this video put out uh, by that same art council, the same like website that has hidden night? Arts and Heritage Center and and the only yeah. other website that mentions James Paul Lucas. Yeah, yeah, it all it all loops loops back to that art council and that ah. and that that art council is is weird in itself as Which, they typically so, are. Go ahead, Mike. So so um as as we're beginning to wrap this up, I want to bring this this kind of full circle first off mark i like what you're saying is like maybe there's a part two on this like you know this um this conversation whether it goes directly back to to diamond jim or not i don't know but we began this conversation today um whether with me making reference to the fact that i'm in the villages right now and the villages is a um it's the world's largest active adult community and it's in Florida and it has certain correspondence or uh, connections to, to Disney, to the Disney corporation. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is me as a, as a person who is fascinating with the, 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 the practice of creating false reality, how this, how this paradigm came into to existence, the villages is, you know, one of my favorite studying places. Um, and what has always intrigued me about the villages is throughout their, the, the town centers, the multiple town centers, 
is they have false history. Like they have historical markers. They have like this whole town, these towns, um, squares, and along these town squares, they have historical markers about completely fictitious people. And it's done here with a tongue-in-cheek sort of flavor. Like, it's not meant to, like, fool anyone. Like, the people, when you come here, like, everyone knows, like, these aren't real people. But it's it's presented in a way that it looks so, so real. Now, me personally, I'm like, well, that's just how the whole, that's just how this whole sort of, like, kit and caboodle goes. Like, like, like most of the history is false. Like, this is just, like, they're telling you it's false. Kind of like when you go to Disney World. So, the fact that that Austin is suggesting, like he had a real experience, which was real in two ways. One, like, well, one is he found like a, a needle in the haystack of a human being of a correspondence to his hometown, and then two, he found a needle in a haystack, physical gem in in hidden night. Like, like there's a there there. Like this experience which he went on, and and I will say this: part of it has to do with Austin being. Um, a magnetized individual like he's a he's an he's an olympic bobsledder like that's like that's kind of funny if you like i mean that in the most respectful way austin but it's like you know that's like how does someone become an olympic bobsledder it's different than many of the sports where people olympic athletes train train their entire lives for that sport in particular mm. so like he himself is like this diamond gym sort of guy like an <laughs> olympic athlete and like going on all of these ventures and it's like bringing us to and through like more examples and that's what i think scene is all about are ways which we our community community being all of us who are like either creating this these these stories these narratives and listening to them or participating like we're creating something and we're breaking out of something as we're doing it mm-hmm. so so there there's there's something here which is deeper than our story guys and I want to, like, maybe it's 188 days. Maybe it's, like, you know, some sort of iteration, a factor of 188. I don't know. But, like, day count is part of this as well. So so, so that's kind of how I want to, like, begin to wrap this up is with that idea. Like, what is the next step? What are we touching? Like, we began, we began our conversation nine months ago, Mark, talking about the nature of synchronicity. And now we're, I think, going even further with, with those types of questions. Mm-hmm. Nine months ago uh, was, <clears throat> was what, when, when I came and visited you at uh, Gnome Countryside? Or is it nine months ago? Whenever Whenever we started, I don't even know how long it's been that we've been doing your your handbook for the apocalypse. I just threw that number out. Yeah, right? I, I had I, a I, feeling you did. No, your handbook for the apocalypse uh, is more than a year old now. Um, serious? Yeah, our first episode came out. I'm looking at it right now. Hold on. Uh, our first episode came out in the uh, in September of 2021. So uh, we're almost at two years this September. <laughs> so our, uh, se- September, October, November, December, January, February. So we're like 18, 19 months. Wow. Yeah. 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 All right. But uh, <clears throat> not important. We've been, yeah, we've been kind of uh, jumping all over the place with these ideas and it's really cool. Personally, you know, 
considering the scene was inspired in a big part from Mike's work and me going along with him uh, for one of the rites on the 40th parallel, I had the uh, honor of participating in the Chickies Rock experience. And, uh, and yeah, part of that and some other things I was researching then kind of culminated into the scene and Austin, you're the first person uh, to come on this show or really any show of mine to discuss their experience uh, with the scene. So I'm really grateful for you uh, being open and sharing that. And also, I'm really grateful that this scene helped and impacted your life in, in the way it did. And I hope you can continue to use it to maybe find uh, that right you know, nest for you and your, your lovely wife to settle into and, you know, have your, create your family. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we've, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we've got a lot of benefit from it, Mark. So I would, I would say, uh, to the listeners, they should, they should invest in some scene. <laughs> right on. Well, there's been over 60 copies sold and a couple others shared with people. So I, I feel like it's a successful uh, endeavor. And, and yeah, I'm really glad that it's it's helped you. And if other people listening to this feel like they uh, can use the scene in their life, I have two copies out. The second one is kind of uh, my experience with the scene, like maybe the same way Austin shared his example of a scene journey, uh, scene edition two is the uh, culmination of my own and Tara's uh, scene journey that led us to discover this giant rock that for the most part, I believe is undocumented. I haven't seen any photos, any books referring to it and it's pretty uh, anomalous. So yeah, I think the scene can do a variety of things for a variety of people, but I love that the theme here between both of our scene journeys is minerals, right? Because you find this place named after the fourth <laughs> rarest gem in the world. And, you know, Tara and I find this stone that might have been, you know, positioned there thousands of years ago. So, yeah, it's it's kind of uh, interesting. If anything, the scene is, uh, we're, we're grounded. We can say that. <laughs> Fantastic. This was a great episode. Austin, thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. No, thank this you. Fun. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. All right, Mike, any final thoughts before we wrap up? I'm looking forward to uh, our next episode of Your Handbook for the Apocalypse. And Austin, you're always welcome to join us on the show, especially if something uh, new comes up. And if you do any research into Diamond Jim and, and find out, you know, maybe that there's a larger story there, please let us know. Cause we'd love to have you back on to, to talk about that. And, uh, and yeah, Mike, what, what's, what's in the, in the, on the pike for you? You have anything new coming up that you want to promote any ways that people can come and support you out there in PA? Um, well, I've been doing a lot of, a lot of effort building this thing called, um, the fellowship of the board and it's starting to starting to to the foundation is starting to become established and Austin has participated in 
in quite a few of the um, of of the meetings, if you will, and it's the practice of natural astrology and the use of the starboard. You don't have to have a starboard to to do it, but it's helpful, and it is a purposeful. Um, it is the purposeful practice of moving the rational mind outside of like the Roman Gregorian calendar for the purpose of collapsing false timelines. You know, that's the stuff we, we've talked about on the show plenty of times, Mark. And by utilizing natural astrology, which is the recognition of the unifying nature of the heavenly bodies um, and the significance of that without needing to define or interpret what everything means, but to be able to follow it and then hold it in mystery as a way of moving consciousness away from the, that false reality system. Like that's where, what I've been doing a lot of. So if any of the listeners are interested in finding out more about that or, um, uh, about the fellowship of the boards, ordering their own starboard, um, anything along those lines, like they can just reach out to me uh, via email. This is a small enough group here, and we can we can walk through that. What that means. Beautiful. Right on. Well, Austin, thank you so much for joining us here on your handbook for the apocalypse. I hope we've added another chapter to the handbook with this episode. A unique chapter. And, uh, yeah, like we said, you know, this is a, a show that's been going on for almost two years now. We're at, uh, let's see, episode um, 52 this will be. So right on. We'll catch you at episode 53. Thanks, Mike, for being here and everybody listening. Uh, go out there and experience the baseline reality. Experience the now. All right, done recording. Thank you, Austin. Thank you, Mike.